Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Seats. Just a bit of a quick exercise. All good. You guys good? Yeah. Who loves Bill Barry? Barry Bill. Blinky Bill. Uh. Everyone doing well this morning? Did you did you see that? Is everyone doing good this morning? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe you missed it. Uh, hey, uh, today's a really special day. Uh, today we have a Craigie Byrne outreach event taking place. Straight after this service at 12 p.m., they will kick off a three-hour community event where they will show the love of Jesus uh, to their community. And we want each of our campuses to reach uh, their communities individually. So Next week is Bandura's turn on the Saturday, and then the Sunday is the Doreen campus. So it's a busy time, uh, but I would encourage you, if you know anyone in those areas, uh, would you invite them along? Just tell them even. You can eat there. There's a reptile farm there this, mo- this afternoon, uh, and there are, you know, all the stuff that things people do, jumping castles, all that sort of stuff. So go there for lunch if you want. It's at uh, Craigie Burns Secondary College. Uh, and uh, yeah, it would be great to meet the church family there. If you know anyone, invite them along. And obviously, if you're a part of our Bandura Church, uh, I would encourage you to come along on Saturday uh, evening. We have fireworks. The place gets busy very quickly. There's over 1,500 people here on site it's a little bit of a crazy day, but we love it. Uh, we love sharing the love of Jesus with our community. It's a great opportunity to be generous with the community and let them know that there's a local church here. Um, so listen, you might be wondering, where is everyone today? Because sometimes, I'm sure, maybe not this side, but this side, I know that you glance to the front row going, oh, oh, they're not here today. Okay, Pastor Alyssa, my wife, is in Doreen. Uh, and then John and Lois, is, uh, they're at a church called Light Point Church, uh, and so they're in the east side today. And then um, who else is missing? Harley's in Kids Church, just in case you were wondering. Uh, what else? I'm here, Amara's there, and uh, we're good. Just a pastoral thing that I just wanted to bring up, just very important. Um, stop messaging me about the cricket. Um, I'm not even joking. I, I was so disappointed by how many people had my number. Like, I was like, who are you people? Like, as in partially care for me? Like, as in what is your problem? I had people going, I wasn't interested in cricket at all. But then I just, it pricked my, like, you know, my, my thing. And I thought I'd just pop you a text today. People, like, Italians should not be messaging me about cricket. I think that's silly. I'm just going, this is wrong. The Sri Lankan community still has a lot of discipleship to take place in their lives. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff taking place. But please, show some mercy. Uh, okay, India lost. That's it. That's all I want to say. We're done. No, 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 no. Don't start any. It was a really hard couple of days. I just want to let you know. Moving on. Listen, uh, obviously, we're in December, and it's Christmas time, and I want to get into the word this morning. Um, and, you know, I'm supposed to share a joyful message because it's Christmas time, it's December, it's the right thing to do. But uh, Alyssa and I, we've been talking and seeking God over the last few weeks and we just sense that we need to share a little bit of a different message uh, today in particular. I was down to preach and I said, okay, cool. And, and I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. 
It may not be an amen message, okay? I'm okay with that. Uh, but I just truly uh, believe that the Holy Spirit's going to minister to some people this morning. And this is what the message is called. It's, it's called the ministry of truth and tears. The ministry of truth and tears. Here we were, we were just talking about the cricket. We were laughing. Now we're, now we're getting serious. If you've ever been in a season asking God, where are you? If you've ever asked God, why are you letting this happen to me? If you've ever said, God, what's the point of all this? Why is this all taking place? Whether you're a student, a parent, a business leader, a family, a mom, maybe you're in a broken family right now, maybe you're grieving for a loved one, um, I just believe that God wants to minister to you this morning. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and let's commit this time to God. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you will move this morning. Holy Spirit, you know where everyone is at, what we have brought in, our stories, our journeys, but Lord, you will meet us right where we are and you will minister to us. So God, I just pray for open hearts as we hear your voice. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. When I was uh, 17 years old, um, I was in year 11 and um, I, I our friendship group is a bunch of six or seven guys, and it was like the United Nations, our friendship group. It was the United Nations of Gladstone Park, where we had one Turkish guy, we had an Assyrian, two Serbs, a Mauritian, uh, we had an Italian in there, we let him in, uh, and then obviously uh, uh, me being in, in the group too. And so we were best friends, and it was like a mixed bag of lollies, you know what I mean? Like, as in our, our crew was just very different, and everyone would always be like, how do you even know each other? How you even hang out, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and like we would always be like, well, we just met in school and we were best friends ever since. And so anyway, um, year eleven, we get called into this into this room, and the teacher, one of the teachers, tells us out of nowhere that one of our friends, one of the friends in our friendship group, is dying of cancer. And you know, you're seventeen and you have no idea like how to respond to that. Do you know what I mean? We didn't know how long you had to live, et cetera, et cetera. But literally 12 months down the track, we're in year 12, and he passes away. I'll never forget during that 12-month period, we were going to the Peter Mac Foundation, like Peter Mac uh, Hospital, the, the Royal Children's Hospital. We were visiting. We were spending time with their family and him the whole time. And then out of nowhere, we're literally in this Greek Orthodox church, and the six of us are carrying out this 17-year-old body in and out of this church, and we're going, how, God, what, why, why is this happening? We would begin to spend time with his family, eat, like long weekends, we'd go golf trips with his dad, and, you know, just, this is how we were, it was kind of like we'd just spend constantly time with each other, and one night, I'm sitting uh, at a dining table, it's about 1am in the morning, and no one's around except me and Ben's dad, Pat. And this is the dad, he's the father of Ben who passed away. And literally, we're having this, this deep and meaningful conversation. And he turns to me, and he knows I go to church, he knows I believe in Jesus, and he says, Jace, I know you're a man of faith. I know you believe. But this, this father that just lost his son turns to me and says, why would, you, why would God let this happen? Why would, why is this okay? Why would he let this happen to my son? 
and I sat there stumped, like as in it, it was one of the saddest moments of my life. I'm 17 and, you know, kind of wrestling with faith myself at this point. It was, it was kind of like all I could say was, I'm sorry. All I could say in this moment is, I don't know why, Pat. Have you ever been in one of those moments? And maybe you were talking to a friend, or maybe it's the wrestle that you face, the questions that you have asked over time. Maybe there's a personal circumstance that has brought you to tears and heartbreak. Or maybe right now, and again, the world events that's, that we're facing, the wars that are going on, whether it be in Ukraine or Palestine, Gaza, Israel, as in where, however you want to place it, you, you, you're just going, God, why are you allowing this suffering? Why are you letting this happen? Unanswered prayers and pain that has led you to this question, where are you, God? You know, suffering isn't contrary to the Bible. These same questions are present uh, and is part of the Bible when you, when you read through it in different, with, as, as different people walk through their stories. David is known as a man after God's own heart, right? He's, he is known as the guy that loved, that loved God and wanted to be close to him. And this is what he writes in Psalm 22, verse 1 to 2. Maybe you've said these words before. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? This, wasn't, this is not the faith song that we were just singing before. Like, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but there is no relief. I don't know if this is going to minister to one person today or it's going to minister to a lot of people today, but we're just going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. But whatever you're facing, I want to encourage you, you are not alone. You are not alone. David was a man after God's heart, but yet he said these words. John the Baptist, a man that literally said, hey, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase in your life. But yet throughout his story, he is sent to jail in injustice. He is beheaded. That's, that's not a good Christian situation story of faith. Like as in that is a sad situation. Our Bibles don't say that if you become a Christian, all will be good, right? John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that you may be and have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm going to read you one last passage of Scripture where you can just potentially relate to these prayers, relate to these people just reaching out to God saying, where are you, God? And this comes from a person named Asaph. And Asaph is a worship leader. So potentially he wears cool clothes and hats and, you know, worship leads really well. But Psalm 73, verse 11, this is what he writes. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's taking place. God, are you seeing what's taking place on my TVs right now? Like, as in, are you seeing what's taking place in my family? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches bubble. Like, why are good things happening to bad people? Like, why are you blessing those guys and not me? Verse 13, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I read my Bible, pray to you, go to church every day, for no reason. Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. You might be asking, like, how, 
How do I walk through this? How do I, how do I walk through these battles, this suffering, this pain that I'm facing? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Everyone say, He's faithful. He is faithful. He will not let you be tempted. This word here means suffer. He will not let you suffer beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Everyone say a way out. There's a way out for you to endure it. Throughout the Bible, there are many people that have asked these questions, like potentially you're asking these questions. Why is this happening to me? Where are you, God? This is so unfair. And if you're feeling this way in this moment, I want to suggest to you, and this is not the answer here, but this is is just to bring you some peace, that it's okay that you ask these questions. You know, in Christian circles and churches, we can actually make people feel bad for asking these questions for actually walking through suffering and and doubting. But let me tell you, if it's in the Bible, you've got good company. You've got good company. And today, I want to look at a passage of Scripture, and it may be an interesting one. It's John chapter 11. It's the story of Lazarus. Everyone say Lazarus. We're not going to talk about Lazarus' resurrection too much, but we're actually going to talk about what happened before uh, his resurrection. But this is the story of Lazarus. If you're new to church, if you're visiting, if you're an atheist, we are so glad you're here today. Because here's the story is that Lazarus and his family were Jesus followers. And and they were literally friends of Jesus. And Jesus was at one point traveling around ministering. And what takes place is he becomes really, really sick. And then the sisters, Martha and Mary, send message to Jesus to say, Lazarus is sick. And he's so bad, he ends up dying. Jesus comes along a few days later. Lazarus is dead for four days, and he calls him out of a grave. And all of a sudden, we see that this miracle takes place. Lazarus comes out, he's alive, and there's a happy ending. It's a great story. But this morning, we won't be spending time on the resurrection, but I want to talk about the tears and the truth before the miracle. The tears and the truth. The truth and the tears before the miracle takes place. Because to be honest, when you look at this story properly, there's a few moments that raise a lot of questions. Before the miracle, there was a time of, where are you, God? Where are you? Why did you let this happen? And if you were here, it wouldn't have got this bad. So let's look at John chapter 11, we're going to go from verse uh, 3, and let's read. So the sisters sent word to Jesus and said, the one you love is sick. Everyone say, "The the one you love. The one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick... It says that he stayed. Everyone say he stayed. When he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. Did you pick up on just what happened here? Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick and he didn't move. He didn't react. He didn't respond. He didn't book the next you know, donkey to Bethany, you know what I mean? Like, as in, he, he didn't get going. He, he stayed there two more days. He chose to delay, 
two more days. For anyone that is feeling that, uh, you know, God is uh, absent, maybe he's silent, he's unresponsive to your prayers, I want to remind you this morning that just because you don't get the response you desire doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Just because you don't get the response you desire doesn't mean he doesn't love you. I I pray that the Holy Spirit, as I was reading this passage, uh, the Holy Spirit stopped me. And when it says, you are the one he loves, as in when he he writes about this or he says it's about Lazarus, the the Holy Spirit wanted you to know today that that's how he talks about you. His friend Lazarus, let me tell you something, that's how he refers to you. You are the one he loves. Psalm 108 verse 4 says, For great is your love, higher than the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. He sees you. He loves you. Delays and denials are not an absence of his love. Delays and denials are not an absence of his love. But it brings us to a weighty question. Why does Jesus allow suffering and pain? Why does God allow suffering and pain? Why is there delays and denials? Why is there suffering? Why is there a waiting period? And there's this Greek philosopher called Epicurus who who made a statement 300 years before uh, Jesus was on the scene. And he made these sorts of statements, a bit like the questions that maybe we ask. He says, if God is unable to prevent evil, then he must not be all-powerful. You ever talk to a friend that says, like, hey, like, he can't be all-powerful, otherwise he would have prevented evil. If God is not willing to prevent evil, well, then therefore he, he must not be that good. You say he's a God of love. So how does this work? If God is both willing and able to prevent evil, then why does evil exist? Why do we go through this? Well, to answer this is not to point the blame at God. To answer this is not to point the blame at Jesus, but is to understand how he created us. We're going to get a little bit theological for a little bit, and then we're going to go into more a preaching style. But, but this, is what, this is how I would describe it, is that God, when he created the universe, when he created us, he didn't just create the universe, but he gave you and I free will. Everyone say free will. He gave us free will. That means that there is no algorithm for our minds. We have not been programmed in a particular way to respond and react. This is not SimCity, if that makes sense. You did not, he did not create us to say, I'm going to control, but he gave us freedom. And when he gave us freedom, we get to choose whether we have relationship with him or not. We get to choose relationship with him or without him. Where there is free will, someone can choose good, but then therefore, someone can choose evil. Where there is free will, there is the ability to love, but also there is pain. Where there is the ability to love, there is also the possibility of pain. And and when you think about suffering for a moment, if you remove God from it, if you remove God from it, can I just say, it doesn't solve the suffering problem. If you decided and go, you know what, I'm just removing God from this whole situation that I'm going for. I'm choosing not to believe anymore. Let me tell you something. It doesn't change the fact that there's still pain and suffering. To be honest, it scares me to think that we could try and remove God from him because without God, it, was, it, would, it would say that we are suffering with no design, suffering with no purpose. 
With no good or evil, there is nothing to it. But I'll say this statement a couple of times. I believe Christianity makes sense of, gives meaning to, and offers a solution for evil and the suffering we experience. This is what I believe. I believe that Christianity makes sense of, gives meaning to, and offers a solution for evil and the suffering we experience. Just because you don't get a response Just because he delays and he maybe even denies situations doesn't mean he doesn't love you. So what happens next is we see the ministry of Jesus and we will witness the ministry of truth. Everyone say truth. Jesus finally gets, the, gets to the sisters and Lazarus is dead. And as I said, he's not just dead. He's been dead for now four days. And this is what it says in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here. If only you, you, you had been here and you answered my prayers. But I know now even God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know, God, he will rise on on the last day of resurrection. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he says, do you, he asks, do you believe this? And Martha responds, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. I just want to put this out there. Jesus' response is, is a little bit insensitive, isn't it? Like, she just lost her brother four days ago. And he doesn't say, I'm so sorry for your loss. He doesn't try to console Martha and say, it's going to be okay. But what does he say? He says, your brother will rise. I am the resurrection life. And he challenges her and says, do you believe? Jesus isn't just too late. He's like being really mean right now. Like, isn't this cold-hearted Jesus? It's like that Christian friend that you have and you share with them that you're going through a bit of a rut and you're going through a bit of a bad circumstance. And what do they say? They say things like quite insensitively at times, just have more faith. I know no one would do that here, obviously. Or maybe they say, hey, did you, you need to pray harder. Or, or maybe, hey, Maybe you didn't fast, you just prayed, you should have fasted more, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Martha meets Jesus with despair, but yet Jesus, and, and I want you to get this, Jesus pushes against her heart with truth. I want you to get, so Martha is discouraged, she is, she is saddened, she is in despair, but Jesus pushes against her heart with truth. He, let me tell you something, Jesus always responds to you perfectly. He has never got a response wrong. Maybe pastors and leaders and preachers and teachers can get it wrong up here and kind of tell you something too harshly or too nicely at times. But let me tell you something. Jesus is always perfect in his responses. So in this moment, he reminds her of who he is, not just what he does for her. He reminds her of her faith in him, not just the unanswered prayer. You know, our aim with Jesus isn't just to get what we want from him. He is not vending machine Jesus. Our aim with Jesus is to get him. 
is to draw closer to him, is to be with him. Whether you get the job or not, whether the doctor's reports come back positive or negative, whether circumstances change or not, or the miracle takes place, I don't know. But the thing is, and God will ask you, will you do you still believe? Am I the resurrection and the life? Will you believe? What an uncomfortable question at such an insensitive, or sensitive, sorry, time. Martha just lost her brother and Jesus made it about him. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, make it about Jesus. Make it about him. He is the resurrection and the life. We read earlier today and we found that it's okay to ask these questions. God, why are you doing this? Why, why is this taking place? What is happening? But let me tell you something. Your questions should always lead to intimacy. Our questions should always lead, and maybe you're going to ask this for weeks, months, and years, but questions should always lead to intimacy. You know, if you've ever had tension with your wife, and maybe this happened yesterday, maybe not. I'm just, I'll tell you, side story, just a thing. I, I, I had a bit of a headache yesterday, and so I'm just napping on the couch and Alyssa just starts yelling at me at nowhere. She's not here, I can say this, it's great. <laughs> Do you know why she's upset at me? Because the way someone, maybe it was me, but anyway, but, but someone wrapped the Christmas tree lights the wrong way last year, 200 metres off it, and it took us two hours to unravel it, and I was so, she was so upset at me, I was so upset at her. But anyway, like, as in, I, just, I just thought I'd get that off my chest while she's not here. Anyway, but... Um, but, but there's, there's two ways to get upset with someone. You can shut down on them and create distance, or you can ask questions to seek to understand them. With my wife, if I just chose to shut down and distance myself from guess what? There's not going to be much peace and love there. There's not going to be closeness and trust there. But yet when you ask questions and when you seek to understand them, it should lead to intimacy. Babe, why are you so upset about the Christmas lights that you wrapped up last year? Like, cousin, what's the big deal? That's not the best way to do it. Just don't take tips all the time. But, um, but when, what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is when you ask God these questions, it shouldn't lead to distance. It should lead to intimacy. You are seeking to understand him more. God, how and why are you doing this? Just learn to connect with him, read his word more, understand him more. As I said earlier, Jesus is not a venting machine. Our faith, it should not be based on what you try to order. When life is good, your faith is good. When life is controllable, your relationships with God is strong. But if our faith is based on what we receive from Jesus, I believe we have misunderstood. We haven't understood what we have already received from him. We've misplaced the fact that we've already received so much from him through salvation. We've, we've misplaced the idea that he has already done enough. When Jesus challenges Martha's, Martha's heart, he pushes against her heart with truth, right? But did you notice how she responds? She doesn't get offended. She doesn't get angry. She says in verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She may have been in despair, 
She may have felt like she was suffering. She may have felt alone and like Jesus did not understand her, but she quickly moves from this moment of hopelessness and she begins to confess her faith. Do you know what she does here? She buries her emotion in her theology. She buries how she's feeling in her theology, her understanding of God. And all of a sudden, she goes from, if only you were here, Jesus, to, but I know you're more than able. She goes from, why didn't you come sooner, to, even if you don't, I know that you're my saviour. I know you're the resurrection one. She goes from, why are you silent? Why did you allow this suffering to, you are my rock and my firm foundation. Don't allow your emotions to bury your theology. Don't allow your emotions to bury your theology. Too many of us allow our emotions to kind of get in the way and we sing songs like, Rain came, wind blew. And literally rain came and it got a bit uncomfortable so we walked away. Wind blew and it's like, oh, this is getting a little bit too difficult for me. So I can't do this anymore, Jesus. Like I'm just going to try something else. But we've got to sing these songs with conviction. Our faith shouldn't sway and swing with our emotion. Again, this is not saying that you should bury your emotions. This is not saying you should reject your feelings. This is not saying that you should suppress your thoughts, but make sure you come back to your Bible theology. Make sure that whatever you are feeling, make sure that you remind yourself of what your Bible says. We may become distant with God when he doesn't, when you don't get that answer, but the word says, never will I leave you nor forsake you. You may become angry and resentful towards God, but the word of God says he knows all things and he works things for his good. Ultimately, if God answered your prayer, be grateful and let's give glory to God. But if he hasn't, if you're still in pain, if you're still in trials, if you still feel like he is absent and hurting, let us live lives that bring him glory. Let us live lives that bring him glory. The ultimate goal is him. Ultimately, the aim is intimacy with God, knowing him more. I'll finish this point here, but when you put a tea bag in hot water, you find out what flavor it is. Put a Christian in crisis. Put a Christian in hot water, and you'll find out what's in them. Whether it's lockdowns from two years ago, whether it's a current situation, when you're in crisis, let's go back to biblical theology. As I said, do not discount your emotions. Work through those emotions, but take it to the feet of Jesus. In your suffering, Jesus will minister to you in truth. He will challenge your heart and he will say, what do you believe? In your pain, in your grieving, he will challenge your heart and say, do you believe? And it's an opportunity for our faith to grow. But he will also minister to you in tears. He won't just say, hey, do you believe I'm the resurrection life? but he will minister to you in tears. Verse 32, I'm going to invite the worship team up. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell to his feet and said, Lord, she says the exact same thing as Martha. This is crazy. The exact identical thing as Martha and says, Lord, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Identical phrase. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her weeping also, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Verse 36, it says, then the Jews said, see how much he loved him? Here is the exact same situation, the exact same words, the exact same moments, but yet Jesus does not respond with, I am the resurrection life. Jesus is moved. He is troubled. He weeps. You know, when John the Baptist was beheaded in Matthew 14, 13, it says that he withdrew. When he heard this news, he withdrew uh, in a boat privately to be in a solid in a solitary place. He withdrew. He desired some time to himself. You know, there are moments for truth, but there are moments for tears. There are moments for truth, but there are also moments for tears. You see, in this scene with Mary and Martha, Jesus pushes against Martha's heart. But with Mary, do you know what he does? He enters her heart. He will meet you with truth but He will enter your heart with tears. He will meet you. He will empathise with you. He will sympathise with what you are going through. This is the much-needed response. This is the perfect response to Mary. He chooses to sympathise. And let me tell you something. Whatever your pain and your suffering that you are going through right now, let me tell you, He hears, He knows, and he's with you. You know, when you hear a loved one complain about things and, you know, they're, they're kind of talking about, I guess, what they're feeling and sensing, sometimes as a guy, I can get into solution mode, right? Like as in you're trying to fix the problem for them. And I can't tell you how many times Alyssa has just said, would you just stop trying to fix the problem and would you just listen to me? Would you just hear what I'm saying? I don't need your problem-solving skills. I just need you to listen. You know, God listens. God is close to the brokenhearted, it says in Psalm 34. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. We have a God that understands us. Jesus isn't far away and above people, pointing out orders from a throne room. He is close. He is intimate. He is loving. And He gave His life for us. Isaiah 53, He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Whatever pain you were feeling, whatever pain you've been carrying, Whatever suffering you've been going through, he understands. For the atheist in the room, I just need to talk to you just for a moment. If you were designing the Bible as a trick, why would you put an all-powerful God in one, in one moment and say, I am the resurrection life? Why would you have him weeping three verses later, five verses later? Why? How? If you were designing faith and a saviour, why would you make him all amazing, all powerful, but then yet crying in another moment. It, it makes no sense. That is a holy God, a powerful, all-knowing God in one moment would begin to weep. He is both God 
and human, 100%. He is approachable and He is faith fearless. He is close to the brokenhearted and He is powerful. He is tender without being weak. He is strength without harshness. He ministers through truth and He ministers through tears. Jesus will always respond perfectly. He will always meet you where, you, where you're at. And, you know, this is why we have opportunities for you to encounter God. Not to just sit under a preacher or teacher, but for you to experience God Himself to meet you where you're at. This is why we create space each and every Sunday. We encourage people to create space in their own lives every day because allow Jesus to minister to you privately, personally. I can't tell you how many times I felt brokenhearted and empty. How many times I felt hopeless and frustrated and angry. But there's been moments in the presence of God where I felt His embrace that only a father could give. There are moments in the presence of God where things have been going crazy, but I've sensed His supernatural peace that transcends all understanding. There are moments when I've been angry, uh, like as I'm about to absolutely blow up, but yet it is in His presence. It's as He ministers to me that I just feel this sense that He is in control, that He is sovereign. Jesus can minister to you in the same way today. I want to share one more story. Maybe, uh, should I? 2020. I don't really, I'm not a big handwriting journal person, but uh, I bought this big moleskin, you know, one of those nice journals. So I thought, better use it. And uh, in 2020, Alyssa and I found out that we were pregnant with, um, with a baby. And um, Christmas time, I start writing in this journal and I say, I am so excited. I'm going to be a dad. You know what I mean? Like as in, and, and I actually looked at it as I was preparing this message. I was going to put a photo up, but I just, I think I'd get a bit emotional. Anyway, no one knew, but we were taking a holiday, like a staycation, and we were in St. Kilda, and we were walking along this area. And there's a few weirdos in St. Kilda, let's be honest here. But, uh, but this lady literally runs up to Alyssa and touches her stomach. No one knew we were pregnant. And she goes, you're pregnant, aren't you? And then Alyssa's like, yeah, actually, we haven't told anyone. And she went on to say a few things. I'll never forget during that time, Alyssa and I walked away going, God, God is, that, is that you? Like, you know, like that's, that's pretty full on. Like, as in, that, that, that's amazing. Anyway, a few weeks went on and um, Alyssa just felt a little bit not right for a few days and she was going to go see a scan. She was a bit worried about this scan. And I'll never forget, she left the house. I stayed at home. And I put on a cool face with Liz. I said, I'm praying for you, babe. I'm thinking of you. And she went on to this scan. But when she left the house, I turned on the music full blast to my favourite track, Travis Green, You Made A Way, and uh, began to just declare God's faithfulness and His uh, miracle working power over this situation. Just, something just didn't feel right. And I'm talking like, it was spiritual warfare. Like I was yelling at the top of my lungs. I was praying. I was declaring his goodness. And I was genuinely pleading with him in tears on my knees. God, would you move? 
God, would you make this baby, uh, would you make this pregnancy move forward? Just, just let it progress, God. Let it progress, God. Let it progress. She came home in tears that day saying we lost the baby. And, you know, it, it, it sucks. And I know we've got beautiful kids. And, but when you lose, when you, when you go through suffering and grief, it's, it still sucks. I'd like to say that more theologically correctly, but I can't. And 20 years later, when I had a father that just lost his 17-year-old son saying to me, why did this happen? And when I'm asking 20 years later, God, what, why did this happen? I got no idea. I still don't have the answer. But this is what I know now is I'm holding on to his truth. I'm holding on to who he is, his sovereignty and his goodness, his power and his authority. I'm holding on now. I'm saying he is the one, he is the resurrection and the life. He is everything. He is all that I need. I hold on to that, but I also receive his tears. And I know when I was crying and when I cry even now, he is close to the brokenhearted. I know when I'm wrestling and when I'm angry, I know that he is close to me in this time. And he will minister to you perfectly in tears and in truth in truth and in tears. And I believe He can minister to you today. Would you stand to your feet? Would you close your eyes? season where maybe you've lost hope maybe there's been a shattering of a dream maybe you've been waiting but the waiting is painful it is a struggle and you're going through a time of suffering of wrestling of grief of doubt right now with every eye closed with every head bowed I I just would you just lift your hand just so I know who's this ministering to today
Do not be ashamed. Do not be shy. Let him meet you this morning in truth and in tears. If you're towards the middle, would you just begin to just make your way towards the middle just to create some space for the aisles? of a man today. You need the ministry of Jesus. Truth and tears. Right now across this room, we're going to just lift our hands in a time of surrender. And if you begin to seek God, if you have not come up and you want to come up there, it's never too late. But if you're just sitting in your seat, would you worship with us? Would you pray for the people around you? Pray for the people in front of you. to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.